Everybody, hello, hello. You are here at Staring Into the Sun. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. This is another episode of Staring Into the Sun. We're talking about relationships today. I'm uh, Dr. Rob Gibson, joined by my beautiful brother. I am John Gibson, the other part of the duo, the beautiful duo. <laughs> and That's we're glad, right. so, yeah, glad to be here, man. Yeah, yeah. So he's a pastor. I'm a psychologist. Uh, and uh, this is called Staring at the Sun, where we uh, examine matters of the head and the heart and explore the beautiful collision of the two and uh, see what can be found there for you and for us. So we're so glad you're here. It's good yeah. to see you, brother. Yeah, good to see you, man. I'm excited to be joining in the conversation today. But before we do, uh, if you're finding your way here, we're glad that you're here. Number one, on video. Uh, glad to be mm -hmm. connecting with you in that way, to be able to see our beautiful faces. And we wish we could see yours. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. And there's several ways that you can do that. You can email us at staringintothesunpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, thoughts on our episodes, anything on your mind that you'd like us to talk about. Uh, we'd also love for you to just subscribe. You can click subscribe now, after the video, before the video, after the podcast, before. Just subscribe and be engaging in our conversation. We'd love for you to do that. Uh, share as well. We're on all the socials and uh, continue to try to engage with you there. And have some things coming up in the future uh, ways for you to engage with different content, more content from us. So we're looking forward to those things in the future. But the best way that you can uh, engage with us today is by subscribing uh, if you like what you hear. So we're going to yeah dive in about relationships and, again today, right? Yeah. And, and tell a friend or colleague or yeah. neighbor about it. Complete you know, stranger if, at Kroger. You, yeah. yeah. Whatever. If yeah. you're, yeah. If you're hearing stuff that you like and, and find it useful, share it with other people. So we, we our main goal is to, uh, to offer, uh, the, the benefits of our conversation and our fields together uh, to, to as many people as possible because uh, we want to enrich, uh, enrich your lives. And uh, whether you're a therapist listening in, a pastor, uh, a member of a church, or uh, just somebody who randomly found us, we just uh, ask that you to join us and share it with other people. So, all right, man, <clears throat> we are talking about relationships this summer. Oh, man. So, we yeah, are too, as a church. Actually, all okay. summer long, we have a three-month series on relationships because we think it's pretty important. <laughs> yes, yes. So the topic for today is is about conflict. So oh, I want to talk about conflict today. Is that something that's ever happened for you, uh, uh, my I'm, brother? No, Did, I, I do not conflict? create conflict. I respond sometimes to conflict in my relationships because others who are less perfect than me it happened to instigate conflict, you know, yes. and I've, I've had to many times sure. in my life dodge cell phones being thrown at me, um, sure. knives being pulled out of drawers, things like oh, all kinds of craziness you, the, that's been done are, to me from my, my, um, <laughs> these are stories that will remain nameless. <laughs> For, from childhood experiences, contrary to, uh, to what you see in social media and Twitter, people do change over time, so you shouldn't be judged the funny by part what is, you do I always, when you're 11. I always talk about them, but never about the things that I did to instigate those situations. <laughs> Rob and I, actually, we had a wonderful childhood growing up, but I was the typical big brother. I always wanted to wrestle and fight, and Rob would do this really... Um, frustrating thing when I wanted to wrestle he would just like it's total if you like psych I love the TV show psych when when Gus and Sean Sean will, will like something he'll just go total limp like and Gus will just have to drag him and that was my brother when I would want to wrestle Rob would just blah 
of this lamp and it used to drive me batty. Yes. Yes. Well, that actually is a is a good segue into what we we're talking about. I wasn't expecting. Is that, that one of the conflict responses? Yeah. No, no. The the issue of uh, so this is an important thing I want to talk about today, which is the issue of power dynamics in relationships mm. and how power gets us uh, gets us out of. Uh, connection with each other and often we get stuck focusing on the contents of something when in reality it's it's the process that really matters and so that's just a great example of it right like you know the, the content of what we were arguing about didn't really matter the yeah. process was you exerting power over me me exerting power over you uh and and ultimately being against each other in some way and and that's what you know you have to figure out as kids and trying to mature into adulthood is figuring out how do you have a relationship that's based in something other than power over the other person. Mm. And so that's that's kind of what I want to dig into today. And so I'll, I'll start with a bit of an example <clears throat> to kind of start us off, uh, because I think this is useful. When people hear these, they can hear their own story in them and then can resonate with it more. I certainly do. So so here's maybe a typical example you might have in, in a relationship. Okay, maybe you've experienced this job where something happens, something is said that strikes a chord in the other person and they start to feel emotional pain. Okay, so here, here's a pretty classic sequence, right? So, so say uh, one side of the couple or relationship feels emotional pain and expresses it. Like, what you said there hurt me, okay? And they're really upset. And then the person who hears that the, the person they care about is hurt is like, oh crap. Uh, and the instinctive response is, let me explain to you why you're seeing it wrong. Right. right. <laughs> Actually, you weren't hurt. Let me explain to you why you're misunderstanding this. It's so funny. I was yes. actually at a flashback because that's how my conflicts work. Something happens and I say, hold on, let me explain to you how this hurt me. <laughs> Usually it's like oh, silent treatment or I stuff it way wow. down. And, you know, I think that's interesting how uh -huh. oftentimes we communicate how I've been hurt. It, it, mine is uh -huh. never quite so clear. <laughs> I've been hurt. <laughs> Let's yes, talk. I have been hurt. Here's exactly how. Uh, yeah, no, it's usually like, oh, that it's usually like some, you know, some sort of emotional expression, not words of like, I'm hurt. I'm trying to show you I'm hurt. Yeah, you're right. It might be silent treatment. Yeah. It might be, uh, you know, cutting comments. It might be something like that. Yeah. But then a response by the other person who's, who's maybe not emotionally activated is to get rational and to say, well, let, let me explain to you why you've got it wrong. Okay. Now, this works great, right? Because the the person yeah, who's hurt because is I'm like, always right. Oh, <laughs> yes. The person who's hurt is like, oh yeah. Now I can see how it actually happened, and and now I'm not upset with you anymore, right? No, that's not what happens. Usually, <laughs> wait <laughs> right? a second. You Rewind. <laughs> like, I have to reframe all of my conflict resolution <laughs> skills. <laughs> right. Because right. usually my relationships with uh, other people, like my wife, it's usually me telling her, no, actually, you you heard that wrong i didn't mean it that way it's like <laughs> and she's just very calm and it's like oh, yeah, yeah you're right yeah, right and the hurt <laughs> okay. goes away completely right? yes no <laughs> and oh. so then what then what happens is uh it sends a message to the other person even though we think we're trying to solve it it sends a message to the other person i don't care about your pain i don't care about what you're feeling right mm. and so now, this is where I think interesting that this really important principle, which is it's not about the content, at least when emotions are involved, it's about the process. 
And a lot of times we get stuck in conflict when one or both people then follow this rabbit trail of content. I, I've, I've, uh, I play around with terms and I like to call this a Quixotean misdirection. Right. So I know that's really boring, but Don Quixote. No, it's not really boring. It's amazing, but I have no. <laughs> Quixotean. So, so, so Don Quixote is a massively long epic book that I've yeah. only read like the first 50 pages. I've never read it. I've heard of it. I've never read it. Yeah. But if you, uh, uh, um, if you, you know, if you read the first section, basically what it is, is this, this guy and he's kind of delusional and he's he's going on an epic journey to save his his uh, beloved right and he comes across this villain and starts hacking away at the villain who's trying to steal his beloved well it turns out the villain is a windmill right <laughs> it's a windmill <laughs> so you've got like an actual picture. windmill like yes. spinning around women. <laughs> yes. it's a wooden windmill and it's this knight on his horse you know, going after and, and giving this windmill what for, right? And I, I like to think of it that way. Content is usually like that. Is it's misdirected us. We're fighting this villain that isn't actually the real issue, right? The real issue is something happened in the way that we related with each other. I needed something from you and you did the opposite. And then that usually starts a spiral. But like I said, we're you end up arguing about the content of, well, I didn't mean it this way. Well, yes, you did because of this. And remember when you did this before, and that means this. And and we kind of get down this tunnel vision, spiral, black hole, I'll mix a ton of metaphors there, of content. And what is so often where we got off track was there was something shifted in how we related with each other, where we shifted into being against each other. And that usually has to do with seeing each other related to power. Like you're taking power over me or I'm taking power over you. And practically that might mean your emotions are dominating me. Your emotional pain is dominating me. And so I'm gonna push back on that with facts and logic to try to get you to back off. And the other person is thinking like, you are, you are dominating me with your passivity and your unwillingness to engage with my feeling. And I don't like that. So I'm going to push back against you. And you have, you shift into power um, as opposed to something else. So yeah, I'm curious your reactions to that. Um, well, all number one, right. I knew all this and I do all of it. And <laughs> actually, no, I knew all of this, so I don't do it. No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, what I, what I was thinking of actually was how content leads to competition. Uh, and like Ooh. so in relationship yes. you know like so when i'm when i'm concerned about the content of an argument or the content of of attention yes. or a conflict then my my attention quickly becomes this we're competing for being right you know and yes. as long as we're right thing as long as i feel like i'm right or and really i don't know how that works with both parties feel like they're right conflict usually arises when someone thinks they're right and someone else thinks they're right and all yes. you get these competing forces you know and right so that uh -huh. struck me and I, I i see that playing out in my relationships and other people's relationships because the the lengths we go to it's like somehow we believe if we justify that if we if we determine that we're right it justifies the actions that we did does that make sense? Like, so I'm yes. competing to make sure that I'm right, so that the the way I acted was justified somehow. Mm -hmm. It's yes, yeah, yeah. And and underneath that is usually, it, and, and this has to do with connection. It's it's my fear or something like that that I have 
that I have failed you in our relationship. And then the outcome of that is that you'll like me less or you'll love me less. And so it's, it's it, the process really matters to me. I, I want to feel like you're close to me. But then, like you said, I'll start behaving in competition with you. That if I can just kind of beat you into submission to seeing this the right way, then you'll see that I'm, I'm loving and I'm caring and well-intentioned and I don't do things to hurt me, to hurt you. And you'll still want to be close to me. And that's what's interesting about this. Like you said, content leads to competition. Usually what people want is to be close to each other and to be loved. But the instinct we have is to behave in a way that really leads to distance. And, and that's what keeps this going and keeps us activated and worried uh, because we're behaving in ways that cause what we're trying to stop. Yeah, and this is a challenge to relationship, I think, because, you know, depending on what stage you are in relationships, I think there's a season for all people where we exist in this place where we, we don't live in a lot of conflict. A lot of times it's early on in relationships, whether it be romantic relationships or, you know, like I'm particularly connected to the reality of just a church community, you know, and if you're kind of new and you have that honeymoon phase, there's not a lot of conflict, you know, because we're all kind of moving in the same place and we're all connecting in ways that are kind of superficial yep. and we have, and all, we're, yeah, we're relegating to the shadow, the parts of right. us that, that are, are the conflict. I, I don't want to share yeah. that because I want to mess this up. Right. Because things are kind of going well, you know, and yeah. But that superficial relationship, too, and I think eventually we find out that reality and these things that have kind of lurking under the surface, we start to let peek out because they're authentically who we are and what we think, whether it be our thoughts or beliefs or even our pain and trauma, we start to let kind of come to the surface and that creates certain ways we interact with one another. Um, and then we then we invariably find ourselves in a more authentic relationship, but but we struggle with this reality of if our focus on health of a relationship is having no tension or if our own, like you're saying, our perception of resolving conflict is all about resolving the tension of content, like who's right or wrong, then immediately yeah. we go from being for one another to against. I, I kind of use that word competition. And I was thinking about, you know, when I, I played sports in school, you know, I was competing against an opposition and very rarely was that opposition in friendly standing with me, you know? I mean, like, even all throughout high school, the, the they're just on the other team, some other city, and yet they were like... Just another human. Yeah, but 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 they were like, villainized, you know, <laughs> villainized. We, you immediately, they were enemy, right? We were opposing force, uh, they, or they were opposing their will upon us and ours upon them. It's just, you know, I have all of those images of, of competition come to my mind, but it's interesting to me how quickly... When we're opposed to someone, we can justify acts of violence against someone. And I don't mean just violent, like physical violence. I'm talking about, and I think I, I often connect the word power with with violence, this, this forceful move upon someone else's life to do something the way I think they should, and I'll do whatever whatever means yeah. possible to make sure that that happens. I think we, once we're in, in a competition relationship with someone we cross that threshold it becomes so easy to begin to justify and escalate towards violence in a lot yeah. of different ways in a relationship you know yeah and 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 that made me think you know so so maybe you're hearing that and you're thinking well i don't engage in aggression when i'm in conflict i tend to hold a position of being loving and kind and nice and let, let me talk a little bit about how you can be aggressive and be against someone by being nice. 
right? So let me give an example that that same one I mentioned before. So the other person gets upset and, and he, here's, here's another possible action, which is to immediately move to apologizing and, you know, uh, taking care of that person's every need and being very, very nice. And then maybe uh, given that they got upset about that, then maybe in the future, you try to watch out for anything that might cause them to be upset and you solve it before it even happens. Okay, because this sounds really nice, right? Really caring. I'm thinking about the other person. I'm putting them above me. Well, it actually, uh, th this is why we call the term passive aggressive, right? Because it's an aggressive move, but it's in a passive, not like a direct way of like, no, you're wrong. But it's, it, it's treating the person. Here's how it actually plays out for the other person. You're treating me like my emotions dominate you. And instead of fighting back, you're actually just, uh, this is this was my move in wrestling with you. Instead of fighting back, <laughs> I will just lay limp, okay? And that that is not a, a uh, that, that is not a nice move in relationships because it sends the message to the other person, you are dominating me, your emotions are too much, uh, you are selfish, you are overly emotional. Like it sends those messages without saying them directly. And it, and it makes the person who's being nice look kind of like the hero, like, oh, look at them. You know, they're so sacrificial. And it's like, no, they don't say what they need. They're not willing to challenge the other person when they're out of line. They're just they're just willing to let them do whatever they want. And, and that is a way of being of doing a power move, but it's taking the position of victim. That's what I would do with you. And it would, you know, it would get you to stop, yeah. right? Which which is a power move, right? Yeah. And in, in terms of wrestling, it was about power and domination. But in terms of relationship, if we find ourselves taking moves of power and domination, you have to ask ourselves a question, what kind of relationship is this? Do we want to be against each other? Yeah. And I think for me, that's what and I love hearing you talk about both sides of those. Because yeah, I think probably if you're a listener here, you can identify with with one of those, if not both in different times of your relationship. You know, we the, but this this oppositional way of life is so destructive to relationships, too, when because it because it has the tendency to very to be very um, kind of under the radar when we start to make this shift between being for, you know, I think of the two words being for someone or against you know, and really quickly before you realize it, you can you can see that you know I'm against you. You know, and every and it kind of seeps its way into all things. And yeah. I think that's interesting too to talk about. Well, maybe once we've crossed that threshold, how do how do we engage in healthy conflict? But also, how do we you know move our way out of this competition cycle? You know, of yeah. the inherent re because I think we can kind of agree that that oppositional way of living and that cycle that kind of descends into you know greater and greater destructive tendencies and relationships in general it's sneaky you know and but how, how do we how do we move ourselves out of that oppositional reality yeah so uh, look, i agree with that and a few more thoughts on noticing what it is so i think an initial step is like knowing that that is a thing right like looking for me thinking that the other person is against me or or feeling things towards them that are against them 
Um, and, and some common indicators of this, this actually comes from uh, marriage research from the Gottman Institute, which he's a, a very famous researcher in marriage relationships. But I think it applies to pretty much any human relation that you want to continue. And, and there's, there's generally four really solid predictors of a relationship breaking down and, and ending in separation of some sort. Um, and so we can watch for these. And then I think the antidote uh, or the virtues are the inverse of these. So uh, you can tell you're against and in a power situation when you have generally these four things. Uh, one of them is uh, criticism, okay? So criticism is not like uh, critical feedback where you're telling somebody, hey, this is an area of growth for you. Criticism is uh, intentionally pointing out somebody's failures um, uh, verbally to, to repeatedly make them aware of it. Like uh, a common criticism is like after making a mistake, it'd be like, man, you really suck at that. Um, you know, th that would be criticism. Okay. Uh, the another one is defensiveness, right? So defensiveness is is usually this feeling of like uh, when when somebody shares feedback with us, we immediately go on the defensive of like that can't be true. Um, no, I'm not going to accept that, uh, and and we defend against any type of feedback, um, and and that usually has a particular feeling of being defensive. I, you can tell when somebody's in a defensive mode. They're like they're not hearing you. They're thinking of all the reasons why you're wrong, um, thinking of all the reasons why maybe you need to be the focus of the attention instead of them, something like that. Yeah. So uh, so there's two more, and then I'll, I'll engage your thoughts. So there's criticism, defensiveness, and then the, then, uh, the third one is stonewalling. So stonewalling is, is essentially saying, nope, I, I refuse to engage. I'm not going to talk about this, not now, not ever. Um, and, and so that, that's a power move to say, uh, I'm going to completely refuse to engage with you. Um, and, and then the last one is contempt, uh, which, which is, I think, uh, as I experience it, I mean, that, that, that's the, the biggest fruit of these is uh, when you have contempt, where basically you look at someone, uh, uh, looking at someone with contempt is like, you're, you're nothing to me, um, or, or I despise you, or you disgust me. Um, uh, like I, I see you similarly to, you know, uh, somebody who's, who's crossed me or who has hurt me that I never want to see again. Um, and there's certainly places for these types of experiences when you're in a relationship, when somebody's like deeply uh, hurting you, like you should stonewall somebody who's, you know, who's trying to abuse you. Right. But if you're in a relationship that you want to be connected, these are indicators that you're against each other, defensiveness, criticism, stonewalling and contempt. Man, and I just feel this that escalating weight, you know. And I think that's something that strikes me as we as we talk, and I think that people struggle with again is just how subtle that that shift is in relationship from being for to against, you know. And how over time, and I think it's why I, when I talk with a lot of married couples in specific that they kind of look around and go, man, how did we get here? We're just like a freaking yeah. train wreck. You know, it's like all of a sudden you look around and there's no hope, you know, it's, it's cause this for, for a lot of people, years of time go on where you're making these sh subtle little shifts in, in the way yeah. you think and the way you feel towards someone that you're spending time with moving from for to against, you know, this, this oppositional competition thing happening rather than, 
And I, I think that I want to talk about that a little bit. We were kind of mentioning that in our pre setup, Rob, just this, the inherent posture and relationship, you know, when, because I think we live in a world, we experience the reality when conflict comes at us, our human tendency towards anything that we, we view as a threat to our well-being tends to be like protect, uh, some yeah, protection. It's like a, it is a biological response to any sort of threat, you know? And I think that's because we, I believe from a faith perspective, a spiritual perspective, it's because we live in a world um, where violence and power lives uh, in a distorted sort of way, you know, that mm-hmm. I, th- I believe God intended relationship for us in the beginning to not exist in the reality of competition. You know, when, when God created Adam and Eve, put them in the garden, their whole experience in the garden was for the mutual flourishing of other. So they were stewards of the well-being of other, uh, be it creation, um, the relationship with God, the relationship with one another. And when brokenness entered that equation, all of a sudden you they their posture changed between them and God and between them and one another and between them and creation. We see this whole shift where all of a sudden relationship, instead of being for the mutual well-being and flourishing of other, it has now turned into self-preservation above all things first, you know, and this focus of self, I think is the root of a lot of these issues. I think when we talk about conflict and relationship and how to move towards towards a, a resolution of those things is somehow some way and really and like you you said well too there's some relationships where that's not healthy to try to make that move but but i'd be interested to talk about how do we shift from this self-preservation you know because when somebody's doing violence upon me it again it makes sense i want to protect myself whether it's physical violence, emotional violence, you know, fill in the blank. I want to protect myself. But if that's inherently also the reason why I'm perpetuating brokenness in my relationship, Mm -hmm. how do we move to a place where we can start to flip the script a little bit? And yeah, yeah, I'd be interested to hear how you talk about that. How do we change that perspective? And here's a real challenge with it is, is because when it's a relationship that is mutual, when something is done to threaten the relationship by the other person, we experience a paradox internally. You're doing something to threaten something I care a lot about. And also I care a lot about you, right? And so our body's natural response to somebody who's threatening something we care about is to defend, right? And to view them as an enemy or an against posture. At the same time, they're someone we've decided to care about. And so we, we have, I like how you said it, throughout a relationship, we have so many opportunities and choices. Conflict is actually some of the best opportunity for connection. However, it's also a, a place where we make many choices about how our general posture is going to be towards the person in regard to this internal conflict of you're hurting something I care about, perhaps that's how I see it, and I care about you. And so the real challenge, and I think this goes back to the beginning, is remembering to hone in on process, right? Mm. Because if you sort out process, then you can deal with content, right? And this is true with our biology, too. When, when I work with relationships, once somebody is emotionally activated to a certain level, talking about content is actually not going to work because the, the, the areas of our brain that we need to sort through logic and facts and reason become less accessible to us. They're not as engaged when our emotions are really high and that's for lots of reasons. And so the first task is to pay attention to the process of the relationship. Like 
we are feeling against each other. I need to do something that fundamentally is about showing you that I'm for you. Um, and so, and, and this is where I think the inverse of those principles is probably a good place to start of having some virtues that you cultivate. And then you find out, well, what's the practical application of that virtue? So let me be specific. So if one of the, one of the, the you know, the, the four elements of breakdown in relationship is defensiveness, the inverse of defensiveness would be something like openness and generosity. Right. And so if that's the virtue that I want to cultivate in my relationship, and if I know that if I allow my body and brain to hone in on winning this battle right here, and I lose sight of the fact that cooperation wins me more battles over time, because if I have a cooperative relationship with my, my friend or my spouse or partner, that will win me more often than not. Whereas I might win this one, but lose a lot more down the road. So if I decide to cooperate and be open uh, with the other person and um, generous, right? I might do something like, hey, I can tell that you're feeling really hurt by what I said. And I want you to know I care about how hurt you are. Okay. Now, the rational mind, we get kind of, we get kind of mixed up in that because we're like, but does that mean I'm telling them I agree with their view of the events? And that's usually where we get stuck in the content. It's like, no, keep the content separate. Whoever is awake enough to say, hey, you're in pain and I want to remind you, I love you. I care about your pain. It, now, it, now, sometimes we'll get stuck because the other person will say, well, if you care about my pain, you wouldn't have said that, right? And it's like, okay, we have to get into content later and we'll have to sort through what was said and what it meant and all of that. But we have to first sort out that we are fundamentally with each other. And one of those ways is being open and generous. Like I'm going to, sh you know, give you a generous show of, I care about you. Yeah. I, I so I, w I would love for you to, uh, maybe we can even put it in the show notes, just a breakdown mm -hmm. of the, these escalations yeah, and then the virtues man because i think yeah. our uh, as listeners um, as i'm listening yeah. to you rob i'm like oh that is so like practically helpful to like codify it okay. yeah and so something mm -hmm. though that triggered in my pastor spiritual heart yeah right? because i and we've talked about this before and i think it's a it's a major roadblock and hurdle to really because we can we can live in these practices a lot of times and i and I, I tend to think too this is why only dealing with a, a mental health professional like by itself is is not going to lead us to the whole solution that's why i love mm -hmm. about our conversations here together mm -hmm. because i think there's there's just something more at the heart of this thing and, and i've said this before too that like your, your openness i'm going to be i'm going to ex instead extend generosity and openness to someone instead mm -hmm. of being defensive well one of the major roadblocks to to truly and authentically extending generosity and openness is my experiential um, re interaction with it, right? right? So have I experienced openness and generosity in my own life? Because I myself. can only, yeah, myself, because right. I can only extend 
what I've what experienced, I've, really. Like, and yeah. and so I'm ex- and I extend generosity all the time. It might just be a really crappy version of generosity, right? A really distorted version of generosity. I think that's why a lot of times yeah. we end up being passive aggressive because we just don't know how to maybe be generous. Maybe someone who is saying, like, I, I want to do, I want to do what you need, and I'm here, and I ca- can be perceived as passive aggressive, and and maybe probably is. But it's it's more a, a symptom that you really haven't ever had the encounter experience with true generosity, you know, and this is where I think a relationship with God comes into the equation, where we can't just leave it separate. That at some level, we God has created us to to get our our posture and perspective about life from Him, and so the reception of like, for example, grace, I think, is a word that kind of covers probably a lot of what we would talk about in in the positive virtues of how we. Ex- move from self-focus to other other centric you know mm-hmm. grace is one of a beautiful thing in spirituality that says i'm going to i'm going to give you undeserved favor so it's this outpouring of saying i love you i value you your worth is not determined by the things that you do or the things that you have done you just are because because i'm extending that to you i'm defining the relationship with grace yeah. and when i experience that as a person like I, when i have an encounter with I believe with Jesus, with Christ, and he extends that grace into my life. All of a sudden I have these new tools with which to respond in relationship to others where maybe before selflessly being generous and open in relationship, I didn't have the right tools, you know, where I, I was kind of ex- like extending it in a broken sort of way. Whereas a true experience of grace, now all of a sudden I have these new resources with which to extend grace to my significant other in a way that I've experienced. And, and I, so I think that's part of this equation somehow to come into contact with, and maybe why some, some of us struggle with just kind of a downward spiral, because maybe we just struggle with having the right tools to even be able to extend these virtuous things. You know, it's one thing to say, I want to be generous, but what does that even mean if I have experienced it? No, that's a great point. And that reminds me of uh, a principle called Hanlon's razor, which is assume ignorance before malice, Mm -hmm. right? And we have a tendency to assume somebody's doing something because they're malicious. And, And generosity would say, I'm going to assume ignorance. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And when you were sharing that, it made me think of, you know, the times I've, uh, you know, like tried to teach someone to do something or even I've tried to learn something myself. And then somebody who's a master uh, joins me and shows me like a better way of doing it. It's like it opens up the mind to like, oh, that's how you can do this. And so uh, there's, you know, kind of a you you can read about something you can observe something in someone else uh, those are all ways to to develop the capability of doing something and this is actually a good uh, parallel with psychotherapy is you know a lot of people will read books or uh, watch people around them uh, but then they go to therapy not just for content knowledge but to have a different experience of like what relationship can be like or what engaging with their emotions can be like. And they get help having a different feel for what it's like. And I think you're, what you're saying there is, uh, in a big way, spirituality and faith is about experiencing like the the uh, the most, uh, like, uh, how would I put it? Like, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to say this other than superordinate ideal, like, like the best of the best of grace. 
yeah. uh, is, is how we would f- define God, right? The the best of the best of love is how we would define God. And, and receiving that from God then gives you an experience that you can then... It's like a baseline. Out. Yeah. It's a bit, it yeah. changes that that posture, you know? So, and when whereas you're talking... What, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, whereas what we usually rely on is like our cobbling together of of good and bad or terrible internalizations of how to do relationship with other people. Yeah. And again, great segue. Cause I think a part of this too, practically for you as a listener, you know, a lot of great, helpful, practical uh, tools that hopefully you can implement right into your relationships right now today. Another one that came to mind when you were talking about just right there is the value of mentorship, you know, and having positive, examples of the things that we're talking about. And I know for my, my own, um, walk in life that I haven't had a ton of those mentoring relationships, but I've had some that were like specifically in marriage, um, having someone around or a couple around that has been there, done that and displays, you know, positive virtues of these, things that we're talking about, how valuable it is to be engaged in relationship with someone in an, and this is hard, but it's also, again, so valuable to have mm-hmm. an example or so, a couple, for example, yeah. if you're a husband uh-huh. and wife, to go to, mm-hmm. to just talk about, hey, we're in this, and we're struggling with this, how did you, how do you navigate, you know, and to have, again, to have another example of what does it look like to walk through life together to journey through conflict together, you know, mentoring, having a couple that's much older than you, that's been married longer than you. I don't know, just fill in the blank, but that's kind of an interesting thing too. Maybe something we could talk about is the role of mentorship. And I think a a counselor in a lot of ways fulfills some of that requirement, right? Or a pastor. But, but again, I don't think we put enough weight on just... we we and our culture has become so disconnected and so independent of we're so independent yep. of one another because of the space and the distance we live in whereas you know even just 100 years ago we were so much more tribally focused you know we had villages and towns where we were all interconnected not only in proximity but uh, but also across generations we had older older generations of our family living together. We had people around us that we were deeply connected with that had gone through life like in a lot more experience than we have, which offers valuable Mm -hmm. tools again, to live in healthy relationship. A lot of, some of the times, not all the time. Sometimes it's dysfunctional. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can't fantasize about a hundred years ago. I mean, yeah, but they they had their problems too. Sure. Absolutely. And like, it reminds me of a show or a documentary on like the, the healthiest, oldest people in the world. And one of the common denominators of those people was a connected community. Um, So that, that just resonates with your point. So let me hit the other three uh, as we close out here. So I talked about defensiveness and the inverse virtue of defensiveness. So we've got criticism, right? So when I think of the inverse uh, virtue of criticism, I think like encouragement, um, you know, uh, something like that of, of directly uh, tr- speaking, uh, speaking to positive interpretations. Another word for this uh, comes from Brene Brown, which is assuming generous intentions, right? Uh, criticism assumes malicious intentions or points out evil in the other person. Uh, uh, um, encouragement and assuming generous intentions would be the opposite of that. I think that would be a virtue. So, um, so something like, "Hey, I know you're really hurting, and I know you you don't mean to make 
you know, to, to say to say it that way. Um, I know you're really hurting and I'm not going to take it personal. Um, you might not say that, but that might be the internal posture you have. Um, so and then the last two stonewalling. OK, uh, I think the inverse virtue of stonewalling is perseverance and hope. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm going to show up. Um, this is that feeling that you might have when you're when you're really worn out in a conflict and you're like, I'm just done. I'm never going to talk about it again. Or you get up to leave and you think I'm not coming back. And I do tell couples it's good to get up and leave. If you're overactivated and you can't say anything useful and it's going to get worse, leave, but come back. Yeah. Um, and the coming back means I'm going to try again with you, not against you, with you. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one, contempt. I think the inverse virtue of that is loving kindness. Um, and and I think you know that uh, that's a I think a word from the Old Testament um, personified in Jesus, uh, which is like I, I'm going to to get on your level and show you kindness and love. I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm going to do it with love and kindness. Um, and, and so I think those are the virtues to shoot for. Now, admittedly, when you're really activated, those are hard, right? But we have to have a target. And I like how you said it. We, we also have to have experience with those given to us so that we can share it with other people. Um, but certainly if you're stuck in the content and you want to get out of these being against each other, pick one of these and look for it in yourself and say, am I criticizing? Am I being defensive? Okay. What's the inverse virtue of that? Okay, I need to be open and generous. Okay, how would I practically do that in that moment? And then uh, engage with that. Um, so we'll have more to talk about other things to do in relationships because I, I know we're neglecting other things like advocating for your needs and stuff like that. But I, I think this is a good place to start with conflict because if you want conflict to change, not go away, but change how it ends with being with each other instead of against, you've got to shift out of these postures and into more virtuous ones. And, and that takes some intention and some practical action. Yeah. So good today. I'm like, I'm like taking notes. <laughs> we need to. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I'm, I'm excited about this kind of current uh, theme that we're talking about helping relationships. I, I hope you as a listener find your way uh, to some, not only some practical help, but again, this beautiful collision of, of head and heart we've talked. And I think this is a great example. This episode today is a great example of that collision. You know, this uh -huh. these practical tools yep. to, to look for the well being, welfare of other, to have practical things to, mm -hmm. to implement in my relationships, but also to recognize that there's other, there's this other piece of, you know, if maybe you're feeling stuck and broke broken because you've just never had an experience of grace. or you've never had an experience of somebody being generous and, extending love to you i mean we we know those things like deep down inside of us and we can feel them in our bones when we're starving for that sort of thing um mm -hmm. and i would really encourage you you know there's these two parts of this to find practical help but also to engage in some contemplation go uh, talk with a pastor go talk with a spiritual advisor do do some things to move towards uh, someone, I believe God, who can give you a perspective that may be outside of the realm of what you can, um, what you can even understand because of your current experience. So it was great stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Rob, and, for your wisdom yeah. today. And one last thought, you know, it's a risky move to, to step out and say, I'm going to lead with a virtue because the person might not reciprocate. Um, but think of the alternative. You could leave here today and say, you know what, I'm going to go talk to that person and point out all the ways that they're, they're critical and they're defensive, and I'm going to show them where they're messing up. And you would be missing it. 
right? Because the message is, I have to make the shift out of these. Um, it has to start with me and I can't guarantee that I'll get it back. But the best way to, uh, to ensure that I have a possibility of getting it back is to go and give it out. And so I would encourage you to take one of these and try it on. Try being yeah. generous or encouraging and give it out. A topic so. for another day, but man, you just like my mind is sparked, you know, because we live in a transactional world, you know, and our, yes. when our relationships are transactional and a lot of times we don't even notice it. But when I relate, when I do things to get something, it, I believe that's just an inherently broken way to experience relationship and uh, experience uh, the world around yeah. us. And, and even our relationship with God, so much of how we relate to God uh, within the church and within faith is in a transactional kind of arrangement. I do so that I get. And I, I just don't believe God operates that way or made us that way to flourish, that there's a different sort of thing. Again, conversation for another day, but yes. man, you're hitting on so some great things. <laughs> beautiful. So you should please join us next time. Uh, you know, we're going to continue these conversations throughout the summer around relationships. want to give you practical tips, give you some structure on how to think and approach different types of relationship issues. And so, yeah, you'll hear more. So make sure you you stay aware of what we're doing subscribe uh, like and share so you're aware of when we're when we're sh uh, when we're putting out these videos in the future and and podcasts in the future so keep listening to us and uh, share your feedback with us and again join us next time as we continue staring into the sun grace and peace everybody the way we find ourselves is by staring into the sun, sun.